Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Amen, amen. Thank you, John. Will you guys help me thank the worship team for leading us today? Appreciate you guys. Well, good morning again and happy new year. I hope you guys had a great Christmas. Uh, Thanks for kicking off your new year with us today. Uh, Thanks for joining us in person. If you're new with us today, my name is Ricky Hemi. Grateful that you're with us. If you fill out one of those connect cards and bring it back into the lobby or, or turn it in or do one of the things online. We'll send you a gift card. We just want to say thanks for coming and worshiping with us today. Uh, Before I jump into the sermon, I want to give you guys a little life update. So something kind of unexpected happened in my life. I want to fill you guys in on it. So a couple years ago, I was training for a marathon when I uh, injured myself. I I injured some nerves in my feet. Uh, So I used to do uh, running. I used to do cycling. I used to do CrossFit, all that stuff. I love that stuff. It's been a couple years now, though, because I hurt myself preparing for this marathon. And the nerve problems got worse and worse and worse. And so I ended up getting surgery on both of my feet. It didn't work. Uh, I got surgery in L.A., then I got a few surgeries in Boston, and it still hasn't worked. I've been pretty messed up. I struggle just to walk. It's just, it's so painful. And you guys remember when we all uh, took some time as a church to fast and pray on 9-11? You guys remember that? Well, when we were fasting and praying, one thing I was praying for is just for some answers, like a doctor who could actually help me. Uh, Because I got two little kids. I got a seven-year-old. I got a five-year-old. I want to be out and about. I want to be running. I want to be working out. I want to be doing life. But I've been really hindered the last two and a half years. Well, I got connected with this doctor in Baltimore. Uh, He's going to go ahead and operate on me. So I'm going to go fly out tomorrow. um, And I'll be getting surgery on Tuesday. And when I get this surgery done, I'm going to be out of the pulpit for two weeks. And so when I'm out for two weeks, uh, Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Seth, they're going to step in and they're going to preach the parable series. So you hear from Jonathan, our next-gen pastor. You guys excited to hear from him? He's going to be awesome for you guys. And then Seth will be preaching next week to continue our parable series. Uh, So if you guys can be praying for me. This was unexpected, but it's, it's an answer to prayer. Hopefully it works. I'm going to get surgery on the left foot, and then I'll be hobbling around for a little bit. And then once I'm feeling a little bit better, I'll fly back out and get surgery on the right foot. And hopefully this does the trick, because if you ever had nerve pain, you know how terrible nerve pain is. And so it's just been miserable. Even preaching uh, can be miserable uh, someday. So, so pray for me if you can. Pray that the surgery goes well. Pray that my insurance helps out like they're supposed to. Okay, so this is out of network that I'm getting this surgery done. And so I've been battling with my insurance. So I'm not have. I know I'm going to be paying pretty big chunk of cash out of pocket, but hopefully they'll help me out uh, quite a bit. So we'll see. I'm still fighting with them over it. Uh, One more thing. As I'm down, so uh, some of you know, but I am, I am this close to graduating with my doctorate. So I went to Dallas Theological Seminary and I'm supposed to graduate in May. And uh, so my goal, I'm already done. I'm done with all my classes. I don't have to travel to Dallas anymore. I did everything. All I have to do is, and I'm done with my research. All I have to do is finish writing the last couple chapters of my dissertation. And so I've been putting that on hold because of the move and all of that stuff. So my goal, when I'm down, 
my goal is to finish my dissertation, and, uh, and this year, my goal is for 2022, new feet and finish my dissertation, all right? So then I could be done in May, and hopefully we'll be moving on into a new year. So if you guys could pray for me, uh, please do, and I'll be staying in touch, and you guys will have some great, great preachers filling in while I'm gone. So I'm going to pray, and we'll jump into our message this morning. Father God, I thank you so much for the people in this room. Thank you for those who joined us at nine, for those who joined us online. I know it's a turbulent time. I know that um, there's sickness. I know that there's some fear with that. I know that um, uh, in, in all of this that we just need you. We need your comfort. We need your peace. And I pray that when we gather to, to hear from you, that you would meet us in this place, that you would strengthen us and you'd remind us of of uh, the purpose of gathering, and, and uh, just keep us safe, and also uh, grow us, God. Grow us in you. I pray that 2022 would be an amazing year of spiritual growth in all of our lives, and in this community. I pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he began teaching them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show us the riches of his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we 
are healed. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. For your word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. For all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Therefore, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Today, I want to talk to you guys about becoming living Bibles. 2022 is a new year with new opportunities. Odds are many of you in this room have already made different New Year's resolutions. Well, today is January 2nd. I hope you're still on track with those New Year's resolutions. And I want to add one to your list. My hope for you today, as you're approaching this new year, we're only second day into this thing. My hope for you is that you would join me, join our team, join our board, join our staff as a church. All of us collectively would be committed to getting more of the word in our lives in 2022. My hope for South Valley is that we would be a word-saturated church. And that's not just something that has to happen at the pulpit. That happens in all of our lives, individually and collectively. And so today's sermon is titled, Becoming a Living Bible. And what I want you to think about this morning is this. When people nudge you, when people bump you, when they run into you, what spills out of you? When challenges hit you, what comes out? When good times come, what comes out? My hope for this church is that we would be so word-saturated that we'd be so on fire for Jesus, that we'd be so in tune with the Lord, with the Spirit in our lives, personal lives, our church lives, that when people nudge us, we bleed Bible. Bleed Bible. And so today, I want to give you some characteristics of what it looks like to be a word-saturated church. Turn in your Bibles right now to Colossians 3.16. It's one of the passages I recited in the beginning of the sermon. Colossians 3.16 is our passage today. Three characteristics of a word-saturated church. This is what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The first characteristic of a word-saturated church is that a word-saturated church memorizes 
Scripture. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, the opening line of this verse is a corporate invitation for all believers to be filled with the word and be filled with the spirit. He says, let it dwell in you. In the English language, it's not always easy to determine whether the pronoun you is singular or plural. Okay, in English, we have to determine it by, uh, by the context. Is this you individually or you collectively? The cool thing, though, about the Greek language is that in the Greek language, it's always marked singular or plural. And in this case, when Paul is encouraging you to be filled with the word, he's talking about you collectively. It's a plural you. You, all of you. So if Paul was writing this letter in Texas, he would be saying, let the word of Christ dwell in what? Y'all richly. Why am I pointing this out? I'm pointing this out because initially when I was working on this sermon, my plan was to encourage you in your own walk to memorize scripture, be in the word daily, take 22 as a year of spiritual growth in hopes that you would see some cool things happen in your life. But what I realized is there's way more on the line than just you. Scripture memory, coming to church, growing as a Christian, it's actually not just about you. It's about us. We together can accomplish far more than any one of us can as an individual. And so when Paul is writing this letter and he's talking to the church in Colossae, he's encouraging the entire church, not just one person, not just the leaders, not just the pastor, every person who calls on the name of Jesus, be filled with the word and the spirit. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. And so if we aspire as a church to be a word-saturated church, then the first thing we need to commit to together is to being, commit to being filled with the word. And how do we do that? How do we become filled with the word? Well, the best way for the word of God to go deep into our hearts is to commit it to memory. When Paul says, let the word dwell in you, he literally in the Greek is saying, let it be at home in you. Do you guys agree there's no place like home? I discovered this a lot while I was uh, in seminary in Orlando, okay? So before Dallas Theological Seminary, I got a master's degree, Master of Divinity in Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando, Florida. It took me six years. It was like a 110-unit degree. It was, it was crazy. And I have to fly out there twice a year, every January, every July. Uh, we had little kids. Um, we were on a budget. And so I would always book cheap flights and cheap hotels, and I remember getting there, and I would always say, and I'd go to school 12 hours a day, okay? Because if I'm going to fly out there, I'm going to get the most out of school I can. But I'd, go, I'd check into my hotel, and it was always, so cheap hotels are just nasty, right? Just nasty. Well, they're even nastier in dirty, sticky Florida, okay? I remember getting in these hotels, and I would go to class 12 hours a day. I'd be exhausted, but I, instead of going home, I'd go to the school library or I'd go to Starbucks and wait as long as I could. Be, like my eye, So I was waiting for my eyes to basically shut while I'm sit, standing upright before I'd go back to my hotel because I didn't want to go get in my sticky sheets and lay my head on that rock of a pillow. And every time I went to the hotel at night, all I thought was, I cannot wait to be home. And I did that for six years. And then I went to Dallas, and it wasn't any better, okay? So 
There's no place like home. When my wife and I vacation, we love vacationing, we love fun. She loves home. She, loves, she, she does a great job with our home. And, and sometimes we could be in the, most, the coolest place on a vacation. We just unpack our bags. It's all packed away. We're ready to hang out. And she's like, all right, when are we going home? I'm like, we just got here. Because there's no place like home. The question I have for you today is, is God's word at home in you? Has God's word found its home in you? For some people, getting the word into them is like trying to mix oil and water. It just doesn't work. They've been doing this Christianity thing for a long time, but for some reason, they still don't know the word. It's not in their life. It's not part of their regular rhythm. They're not hearing from God, but they're hearing from social media. They're hearing from Facebook. They're hearing from news channels. They got, you know, some crazy ratings on their Xbox. They got every streaming service imaginable, but they don't have the word in here. 2022 is a great time for us to grow in our knowledge and understanding of of the word. There's no place like home. My hope is that God's word would find its home in you. Because if God's word cannot find its home in you, then something else will find its home in you. Somebody else, something else, will take Jesus' place in your life. And so one way to protect your walk with the Lord, to make sure God is first in everything you do in 2022, is to bathe your life in the word. And one of the ways we do that is through scripture memory. And the cool thing about memorizing scripture is that you don't need to be a seasoned Christian to do it. You don't need to be a certain age. You don't need to be a super saiyan saint. You don't need to be at this level before you qualify to memorize scripture. Every person in this room can memorize scripture from three years old and up. You don't have to even be able to read. As long as you understand words, you can memorize scripture. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk. And just to prove it to you, I asked my daughter this week, because I knew I was preaching on this. I said, hey, Blake, will you try to memorize Psalm 23? She's seven years old. Okay, she's in first grade. Uh, She hasn't graduated from anywhere except for preschool. And I asked her to do this because somebody told, I told somebody I was going to open the sermon by quoting a bunch of scriptures. And they're like, well, you can't expect others to do that because we didn't go to school to, to learn theology. And I was thinking to myself, you don't have to go to theology school to memorize the word, to read your Bible. And so I encouraged my daughter to do it this week. And in two days, this is what she did. So she memorized Psalm 23. Check out the screens. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Peace out. Bye. God bless. 
So that's my daughter, Blake. My son, John, is over here. He probably knows most of Psalm 23 now, just hearing her recite it over and over this week. Uh, but I wanted to show you that. I was so proud of her that she did that literally in two days. Um, it, it's just a reminder. Okay, she, she doesn't have a lot of life experience. She doesn't have a lot of experience as a Christian. She's just at this point now where she's reading uh, quite a bit on her own. But she, she took that time to memorize that passage. And even though she doesn't have a lot of life experience, you know what she does have? She has the word of God in her heart. That could be any of us. It all comes down to making room for what's important to us. We always have room for what's important to us. We always have room for our favorite Netflix shows. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's some good shows out there. But here's the thing. Do you have room for the things that are most important, like Jesus, the word, prayer, listening to God, gathering with believers? Those are the things that are going to grow you the most, not just as a Christian, but as a human being, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a friend, as a co-worker, if you want to grow as a human being in 2022, then one step you could take towards growth is saturating your life with Scripture through Scripture memory. The second characteristic of a word-saturated church is that a word-saturated church teaches Scripture. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So one of the natural results of having the Bible stored up in your heart is that you are able at any moment to access the Word of God for teaching and for admonishing. And this is really important because we are in the middle of a crazy time as a culture. Not only are we in the middle of a pandemic, but we're also in a, a bit of a truth war with our culture. There's all kinds of different narratives that are out there right now. Depending on what news station you turn on, depending on what articles you read online, there's so many different truth narratives that you hear within your schools, within your university, within your families, with on, on the screens, everywhere you look. But what is the real truth? The only way for you to know God's truth is for you to know God's word. And that's between you and God. That's not me. That's not the leaders in this church. For you to know God's word, that is you. There's the, the, the line into the kingdom of heaven is single file. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is not your kid's relationship with God. Your parents' relationship with God is not your relationship. You have your own relationship with the Lord. The question is, do you know him? Can you discern his voice? Do you see and understand truth? Can you teach truth? When he says teaching and admonishing, teaching is the ability to instruct someone in the truth. And when Paul writes that, is he writing to pastors? We talked about this earlier, the plural pronoun you. Is this to pastors? This is to every, every believer. This is a command for every believer to know how to teach, to be able to instruct their loved ones in the truth, instruct their children in the truth, Instruct themselves in the truth. Instruct their neighbors in the truth. Can you teach 
truth. The other word he uses is admonish. Admonishing is the ability to warn somebody about a bad outcome. Are you able to point out bad outcomes? Do you have wisdom where you could point someone and say, hey, this is actually God's pattern for this relationship. And if you, if you do the relationship God's way, it's going to be amazing how it's going to turn out. But if you deviate from that, you're actually setting yourself up for some pain in your future. Are you able to do that? In- instruct people and teach people, admonish People, because living Bibles can teach, living Bibles can admonish. They have the word and the spirit dwelling in them. They're ready at any moment to share the truth of God. And this is helpful because life is full of challenging situations that require God's wisdom. Can I get an amen? You don't have to live for very long to realize, man, we need God's help. Life is crazy. And I know this, especially in ministry, Because God thrusts me on a regular basis into situations that are just crazy and hard. And and if I'm being honest with you, many times when I enter into these conversations or into these scenarios, I don't know what I'm going to say. I... I, I have confidence because a lot, I've seen a lot and I've experienced a lot, so I, I tend to know what I'm going to say. But there are times in life where I'm ministering to somebody, they're grieving. They're struggling with their kids. They're facing some kind of trauma. There's financial concern. There's all these things that people face. Sometimes I walk into those conversations, I'm like, God, I have no idea what I'm going to say. But guess what? I'm never afraid to enter those conversations. You know why? Even though I don't know what I'm going to say, I do know the word. And I do have the Holy Spirit. And so when I enter into those conversations, no matter what they are or how confusing or how hard they are, I enter with confidence even though I don't know what I'm going to say. And sometimes I say things that are so awesome that I shock myself. (laughs) That's probably happened to you. Because who is that that's speaking in that moment? That's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. But you cannot discern the voice of God, share the voice of God, unless you're listening to the voice of God yourself. And the way you hear the voice of God is through the word of God and the spirit of God working in your heart so that you can speak, teach, admonish, share. And so when somebody in your life asks you about the Lord, are you prepared? When somebody at work has a hard question about Christianity, can you show them in Scripture what you believe? When somebody at your university has a hard question, can you show them what you believe? When somebody at your high school, your junior high, your elementary school has something that they want answered, can you show them in the Word what you believe and why you believe it? If, if somebody is, is coming to, to know Jesus, do you have the Scriptures that could point them to salvation in Jesus? When a family member faces a crisis, do you have the words of God in that moment to help comfort them? Do you know how to speak as God would speak with compassion and love and, and bathing them in prayer and in scripture? As your kids are growing, as they're learning, as they're developing, as they're facing all these different truth narratives that they're, it's just going to start when they're, as soon as five years old and up, they're going to be bombarded with a million different truths. Are you able to help them navigate that with the truth of God's word? 
At the end of the day, that's on you. This is not me trying to shame anybody or guilt trip anybody. This is, I'm, just, I'm just reminding everybody as we start 2022, your walk is your walk. And if you want your walk to grow, I want to help you in that area of helping your walk grow. This is something we do collectively as a team. But at the end of the day, we have to take steps of hearing and listening and sharing and responding to the Lord. And then we as a church can become on fire as a church. And a church on fire for God is a powerful, powerful thing in this world. Can I get an amen? amen. Word-saturated church, churches teach scripture. Finally, word-saturated churches sing scripture. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So the first result of having the word at home in you is that it impacts your mind. Okay, it gives you knowledge. It gives you wisdom. You're able to respond to challenges. You're able to discern truth because you have truth in your mind. You're able to access it. But the second result of having the word and having the spirit in you is that it impacts your emotions. It impacts your soul. It impacts your feelings. That's because having God's word at home in you doesn't just fill you with knowledge. It also fills you with joy and with passion, which is why word-saturated churches are singing churches. And South Valley is a singing church. And the reason we're a singing church at South Valley is not because singing is just fun to do. We sing because we worship. We worship the God who made us, the God who loves us. The truth of God's word is here, and it makes its way down to here and out of our mouths in praise and in worship. We sing because we love the Lord. We are a singing church because we hear from God, and we bring it back to God in worship and praise. But here's another thing. Singing isn't just a passionate thing, a passionate way of worshiping God. Singing is also a way of learning from God. You see, I'm going to preach lots of sermons here. And you're going to remember this much of what I preach. But you know what you're going to do when you go home on Sundays? You're going to hum the lyrics to your favorite song. Why? Because you remember it. That's how God's people have learned throughout the ages. Singing, rejoicing, poetry. It, it, it brings it from here down into here. That's why the longest book in the Bible is a collection of songs called what? Songs. The longest chapter in the Bible is from the book of what? Psalms. When Jesus preached his earthly ministry, the book he quoted more than any other book during his earthly ministry was a collection of songs called what? Psalms. Why? Because that's how we learn. Psalms teach us about worship. Psalms teach us about truth. And that's why on Sundays when we sing, everything that we sing on this screen should be reflected in the word. Because the songs teach us about God. The songs proclaim the truth of God. And it helps the truth go from here down into here. And singing is important to God. It's one of the ways we worship God. It's not just something that we do on Sundays. It's one of the crucial ways that, that we proclaim his truth. And we're never more 
in tune with God than when we're worshiping God. And, and God delights in worship. And you know how I know that? It's because in Revelation, what happens around God's throne in the book of Revelation? What is happening around his throne? Worship. It says, then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Why do they sing? Because God delights in singing. And I'm not talking about fake emotionalism. I'm talking about heartfelt worship where truth goes from here down into here. And that's why Jesus said in John 4 that he's searching for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. They don't just know it, they demonstrate it. Their soul is synced up with their minds. They're not bobblehead Christians who know a lot but do very little with it. They don't just have passion but no knowledge. They have both together. They know and they do. That's what Jesus is looking for. Singing is the natural response of a heart that's overflowing with love for Christ. We're never happier than when we worship God. And the only reason we even get to draw near to God to worship in the first place is because he has made a way through the blood of his son, Jesus. New Testament worshipers take worship for granted. Because in the Old Testament, worship wasn't just show up and hear a couple songs and leave. You planned for worship. You got your family together. You would travel a long distance to, to go to the place of worship. You'd sacrifice an animal. You'd spread the blood on the altar and on yourselves. You'd cleanse yourselves through rituals. You'd wear certain clothes. You'd chant certain things. You'd memorize certain verses. And you, even in all of that, you would not enter the most holy place behind the curtain and commune one-on-one -on -one with God. Only once a year would a high priest get to go behind that curtain and commune with God for you. But now, because of Jesus, you have direct access to the throne room of God. Now, because of Jesus, you get to talk to God whenever you want. Don't ever take it for granted. Jesus made a way for you to worship in spirit and truth on the daily in a comfortable chair. Prepare your mind for worship. Prepare your heart for worship. Demonstrate your love in worship. Word-saturated churches, they memorize scripture, they teach scripture, and they sing scripture. Are you a living Bible. Are you a living Bible? I want to close with this story. So uh, one of my first mentors was a man named Dave Prather. Dave was my grandfather, actually. Uh, my mom, when she remarried, she married the son of a pastor. So we had no experience with Christianity. I didn't learn about Jesus till I was about 10 or 11. I didn't come to Christ till I was about 18. And uh, when I came to Christ, uh, I, all of a sudden, I was really interested in my grandfather because at first I didn't quite understand him because I wasn't a believer. And then I, I decided to sign up for Bible college and I started learning and then I started meeting with him and I, I wanted to go into ministry. And so we would meet on a monthly basis to, to talk. And when we, him and I would meet, he always had three questions for me. The first was, what are you doing in your quiet time? How's your quiet time going? Reading the word. How's your journaling going with prayer? Are you writing out your prayers? Are you doing it daily? And what are your memory verses? 
And so every time we would meet once a month, I'd have to bring my journal. I'd have to show him the, what I'm going through in my quiet time, that I'm praying. And then I would recite. He would make me, I, I hated this. He would make me recite my verses to him every month. We'd sit down no matter where we were. We went to In-N-Out a lot because you guys know me. We love In-N-Out. My grandpa loved In-N-Out. I'd be in In-N-Out reciting my verses to my grandpa. Here's the thing. Eventually I got frustrated. I got frustrated because my grandpa was, is an amazing man. Okay, he left Seattle as a pastor, was called down to Lancaster where I lived. He took over a struggling church of less than 200 people, grew it to a church of over 2,000 people, built this giant campus, had the staff at Central. We had a staff of 20 full-time staff members, 40 part-time staff members. We had this amazing ministry, well-known in the community. And he wasn't looking for credit. He wasn't looking for praise. He just loved the Lord. And he did such an amazing job. He loved his family. He loved his wife. He was a strong disciple maker, strong in the pulpit, an amazing man of God. And when I sat down with him, for lunch once a month. I wanted to hear how he became so amazing. And I got frustrated. Like, I want to know, how did you stay married for 50 years? Why don't we talk about that? Or how did you stay in ministry for over 40 years and be faithful? Let's talk about that. How did you become such a compassionate and loving man who's disciplined and devoted and, and, and just steady and a solid rock for so I want to talk about that. I got so frustrated. Why are we talking about these things? Scripture, memory, prayer, and time in the Word. I want to hear how you became so amazing. You know what I realized? That's how we did it. Time in the Word, time in prayer, Scripture, memory. Those three things are what made him the man that he is. Those three things are going to make you the woman that you are, the man that you are. If you want to be the best version of yourself for your family, time in the word, time in prayer, scripture memory. If you want to be the best version of yourself at your work, time in the word, time in prayer, scripture memory. Best version of yourself with your kids, best version of yourself in your community, best version of yourself in life, time in the word, time in prayer, scripture memory. It's that easy. When you're listening to God, you're communicating with God, you're living by the Holy Spirit, you cannot help but be transformed, compassionate, loving, gracious, kind, repentant, all of those things fall into place when those elements are introduced to your life. And so my encouragement to you, I'm going to challenge you, South Valley, I'm going to add something to your New Year's resolutions. I compiled a list of 25 verses every Christian should memorize. 25 verses. Marcus is posting them today. You'll see them on the screen here. We're going to have them on social media. We're going to have them on our email I want to encourage you to memorize one of those a week. Memorize one a week. Watch what God does. We'll hold you accountable. We want to help you grow. Join us in this challenge of taking on 25 verses. Every Christian should memorize. And, and you can memorize all of these in, in three weeks if you want to, or you could take it week by week. Marcus is going to lead us through that. So that's one challenge for you. The other challenge I have for you, we have membership coming up. And membership is one of the ways that we go deeper as a church. It's a way that we say, you know what? I'm not going to just sit and receive. I'm going to give of myself. God has put me in this church for a reason, on this planet for a reason. I want to make an impact. I want to be a part of the mission. 
And so if you want to be a part of the mission and you want others alongside you to help grow you and mature you into what Christ wants you to be, I want to encourage you, sign up for membership. Membership's January 23rd. We're going to have it during the first two services of the day that day, so 9 and 1045. Instead of worshiping with us, you'll be over in the chapel for that the duration of those two services, learning about membership. Pastor Seth is going to lead it. If you want to help us make a huge impact in this community, the first step is coming to Christ. The second step is becoming a member and learning about what God wants to do through South Valley here. So if you want to sign up, talk to Seth after service. He'll be down here. You could talk to him. Membership will go live here in a couple days, and we're also going to launch small groups. So we want to help you grow in 2022. Before we close out, we got one more song. Will you guys stand with me? I'm going to pray. We're going to sing scripture. We're going to sing to the Lord and close out uh, with one more song. God, I thank you so much for loving us, providing for us. Help us to be a word-saturated church, saturated in our own lives individually, saturated as a church collectively to see you at work in big and miraculous ways in this community. We love and praise you. And all God's people said, amen. Happy New Year, South Valley. Love you guys. If you need prayer, we're, we're available up here to pray with you. If you want to join us in the memory verse thing, check it out on social media. God bless. Have a great Sunday.